Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets, ideas change the world. One of the things I've been talking to leaders throughout business, especially in the era of digital transformation, is do we need a new model for financing innovation and change, an investment model in the very things that'll make us more competitive, more optimized, and uh, quite frankly, more agile uh, in, um, in transforming our companies to this new digital world. Uh, we're going to focus a little bit right now. This will apply to all business, but we're going to apply it uh, discreetly to the physical security market today because we're learning here that maybe the forces of change are being constrained by old notions of how to finance uh, the security architecture. Uh, so I've invited someone who spent 27 years analyzing these models, and I think can give us some insights here on why that is and what to do about it. And so I've invited Paul Metzheiser, who is the managing partner at TAMCO, uh, to join us. Paul, welcome. Thank you, Ron. Glad to be here. I, I'm excited. You're, you're going to be at ISC West uh, and doing a presentation to, um, to vendors Correct. Who, who, who are attempting to be part of this digital transformation with their customers. But you've been doing this for a while now. And the vendors may be, the integrators, vendors may not be necessarily, let's, um, let's honor them, they do a really good job, but they're not finance experts. They're not taught uh, how to think about, uh, in the CFO's head, think about financing innovation and change. So for a second, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, we're going to change the audience for you, the typical audience that you talk to. And you and I are going to help our business leaders really understand their options in digital transformation. How does that sound? That sounds great. That sounds great. And, and you're right. There's When you break it down, there's the what to procure and the how to procure. And in the security sector, typically we stick to the technical part. And that's our area of comfort. And the how to procure is not. So it's, it's perfectly normal and comfortable for them and people to shy away from that. And that's, that's what we help our, our integrator partners do. I think what a lot of people do know is I didn't originally come. Uh, physical security is a market sector for me. It's, uh, but I've been uh, in business and IT forever, for 40 years. And I've seen all sorts of different procurement models but I was astounded the other day because I heard you say that you believe 99% of the purchases in physical security are what you call an ownership model. Explain, explain your, your, your uh, information there. Yeah, and, and for whatever reason, it's either a, a pure cash transaction with cash terms using after-tax dollars or in some instances, a finance with a lease to own. And uh, from what we can gather, that's been going on in the security sector for a really, really long time. And unlike other industries, as you alluded to at the beginning, um, that have embraced more of the subscription consumption model, um, security has lagged behind uh, from that standpoint. So we've interviewed and, and worked with a lot of security integrators and really, that's their offering to end customers um, 99% of the time. 
And from what I can tell, and again, I'm not belittling the vendor community. Again, they're not finance experts. But if you put this value proposition in the hands of them, a lot of times, unfortunately, it's not always their fault. They're not going to the CFO. They're going to the security manager who looks at a monthly cost and says, I'm going to be paying more for this if I yeah. do that. Yeah, it's it's the quandary of, of sales and, and specifically in the security sector, you're dealing with the people that understand the technology, um, don't necessarily have that finance background. So what they'll do, Ron, is, is arithmetic. We call it the napkin math, not taking into consideration the after-tax dollars or the time value of money. And to your point, we don't expect, and it's not the fault of the security integrator to really understand that part of it. But if they understand what the program can do, um, all the other benefits, you mentioned the ability to be uh, flexible and have more control, that's the difference. Well, and, and again, let's don't blame it just on the security integrator. Again, the exchange, the sure. value exchange at this stage is a security manager whose job it is to protect and defend the company's assets and people, and they aren't schooled in finance either. So they're having this conversation together. The CFO advisor's out of the room. Uh, <laughs> you're out of the room. And, 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 and that conversation's limited in its scope and its pedigree, right? That is correct. And, and the other irony is we've trained the buyer to budget and procure that way. They, with all due respect, they don't know any other options that are really out there. Okay, so if it's not cash or CapEx, as we call it, the ownership model, and it's not necessarily lease to own, let's go right into it because the great conversation is, you know, the TED Talk of podcasts. So let's get to the meat of the matter. I am about to make a strategic purchase. I am befuddled, though, because I constantly run into this. This is the CSO and security manager's nightmare. I'm constantly befuddled because I never have enough budget to fund what I need, especially right. when it comes to innovation and change. I go right to a TCO model, a total cost of ownership model, and I just can't get there. So help me go through how I do that in a different way. Yeah. And, and I think if, if for, for whatever reason that, that the importance of the technology is equated to ownership, but if you really look at what's behind the, uh, the equipment and the solution, um, it's, it's hard to support um, why you would use your after-tax dollars. And that comes down to the rapid movement of technology. That comes down to the economics of ownership, meaning is it really, is it non-revenue generating and how much non-recoverable costs are in the bill of materials? And you combine all of those and you say, hey, um, this really fits in better than most into the subscription consumption model. And what's interesting is that most all of these companies have now procured that way. They're, the subscription consumption model in our personal or, or in the commercial lives has become dominant. And there's been a block when there's that equipment into the mix. But arguably, if you look behind that bill of materials, um, what's really there at the end of that sale or after it's been installed? And, and that's the question. And that's where we try to help uh, the buyer um, understand that, that there's been a, a pivotal change um, in, this, in these types of solutions. Well, it's so funny. Uh, again, we go back to consumer models. 
playing out when they're having these discussions with their vendor, right? And I remember uh, having this moment in our family. Here we are with interest rates that are lower than we've ever seen them. And, uh, and my daughter's buying a car and I'm going, uh, let me get this right. The residual value of this car, if we walk off the lot, is this. Why would we buy a new car? Right. right. The residual value is this when we walk off and you start you start adding it up. You've got the margins of the dealership. Right. Of course, there, there's no economic value in that. The margins of the dealership. Right. So, of right. course, the new car suddenly loses its value as soon as you buy it. Right. The same thing takes place here. When, so when you say the economics of ownership, the non-revenue pieces of what you're buying in an ownership model, in a way, it's very similar. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's almost kind of flipping the mindset to um, a service and you can't own a service. So if you have that mentality and, and understand that, that it's not about an interest rate. Uh, there's not an interest rate on a service. There's not an interest rate when you rent a car. Um, so it's, it's really looking at it from that perspective. Um, and and once, once even the technical buyer sees that, and the ability to have more flexibility and control, that's where we can really help and add value um, to them and, and, and to, to, to all parties. The other thing I've said to them is not only you can't own a service, which probably bothers them a little bit, sure, uh, but you also need to focus on outcomes, not things. So, so what is, you know, when I buy electricity, I am buying an outcome called turn on the lights, power my home, power my internet. Now I'm buying outcomes on a consumption model. And if I'm not using them, my expenses go down or I can scale up quickly if I can get, right? Is it the same thing? Is that what you mean by a consumption that's, model? That's a fantastic analogy because it's exactly the same thing. And what, what we need to do is make sure everyone's comfortable with the difference between um, ownership um, and usage outcome, flexibility, control, um, being able to be nimble. And, and that association with ownership and was with, with control. And we would argue it's the exact opposite with, with logical talking points and, and understanding. Like we said, like the bill of materials and, and uh, the fact that, that these, these technologies are essential use, arguably mission critical. So everyone knows I don't have scripted conversations, so I'm going to throw you a little curveball. Please, sure. please defer. We can turn them on to white papers later on uh, if you need to. But, um, you know, if we have 10 minutes with the CFO, we've got the CSO or security manager in the room with us. Uh, give me three or four questions to ask that CFO to see if they're ready uh, for digital transformation, number one, and number two, a consumption model. Tell me, tell me some of the questions you would ask them. Yeah, the first thing is, you know, how comfortable are you today um, in what you procure that that's going to be state of the art uh, applicable for your business in two, three, four years? Uh, because that's a challenge right now. You have manufacturers that are pouring millions and millions of dollars into R&D and what we buy today, we know can be obsolete in two or three years. So a quick data point, everybody in your marketplace, that R&D budget is about 17% of their revenue. That's a lot of money. So thank you for pointing that out. Keep going, Paul. Yeah, yeah. So the, the next thing really is, 
you know, the, that, that warranty versus that service. And as a, as a person that's responsible for uh, the physical security of your organization, um, would you define this as essential use or mission critical? And if the answer is either, to have that maintenance and that support to make sure that you're protecting your assets, your employees, your intellectual property is critical. Um, security has changed. And so that would really be the, you know, the second path and, and conversation point we would go down. So Mr. CFO in the C-suite, possibly on the board, let me ask you a question. Do you believe security and safety of your assets and people mission critical to your purpose, your mission and your goals? It, it would be hard for, uh, for anyone to really say no, um, and, and because it's the reality, reality of that. So, so, so if, you're, if your ERP or supply chain system or HR system or accounting system goes down, that's unacceptable. You need a fault tolerant, five nines, reliability and availability. Wouldn't you say the same for security? Without question. Excellent okay, question. Good. So we, we know that. What's, what's the next one? Yeah, so the, I mean, the, the other part of it here is really going down to, you know, the, 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 the use versus the ownership and what really are you looking for? And, you know, most, most folks are saying, I'm really looking for the use of this, um, that there is no benefit to own it. Um, defining those two and what that really means. What do you own at the end of two, three, four years? Okay, so help me out, Paul, says the CFO, help me out. What do I really own in the ownership model after two, three, four years? What do I own? You, you, you own the, 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 put it this way, you own nothing as it relates to the asset. You're in much greater control of that asset as it relates to flexibility for obsolescence, for services, and for the things that are important to your organization. And really, the, the question comes down to why would you want to own that technology? There's no real benefit to that. But, but I can write off the depreciation of those assets, Paul. That's what I'm used to doing. Sure. But you get the same, the same treatment as it relates to on the income statement in an OPEX. And so there's not really a, a gain. And those, those accounting guidelines are even changing. And as an organization, we, we stay away from the OPEX, CAPEX, more of the value of the service, because eventually they're going to be treated equally if they're not already today. Um, so it's, it's, it comes down to that. Interesting. Did everyone hear that? I, I, I heard something there. I want to pull on that thread. It's not CapEx. It's not OpEx, because those are old models of thinking. If it's mission critical and you're trying to finance innovation and change inside your company, and uh, CISOs and CSOs are starting to tell me that we're recognizing the convergence of IT, cyber, and physical is kind of the baseline for digital transformation. If that is so, if that is so, you, I want to pull on the thread, you are saying we're going to talk about a value model based on outcomes, not a, necessarily a CapEx or OpEx model. 100%. 100%. Okay. And that's, um, you know, with, with as as we, we work with integrators to represent these offerings to the, the people that are listening to this, that's one thing they got to get wrapped around the axle. And so we try to educate and teach. It is about the value, uh, not necessarily the accounting or the book treatment that's out there. Well, because again, in, if, we're, if we're at a security manager vendor discussion, 
if you start getting an OPEX and CAPEX, you're going to get back to arithmetic again, and you're not, you're not even going to get to the next stage. That is correct. And that's, you know, one of the things that we have to do is work with that, the integrators to make sure when they're representing and recommending this to people that are listening to this, they understand those things. So if they have to make a recommendation, it's a recommendation with, hey, this is losing value quickly. Um, these are non-recoverable costs. There's just a lot of things against us from that standpoint. And, and Ron, it really comes down to, and, and one of the questions that, that we like to, to, to pose is that, is there a better use for your after-tax dollars? And so to take after-tax dollars and throw it at a non-revenue generating asset that has a tremendous amount of non-recoverable cost with the force of technology, it just doesn't make sense. It goes back to something you alluded to, um, that TCO or ROI, there is none. And take those precious dollars and apply it to the organization where they can get a return. You can't get a return on these technology solutions. However, they're mission critical and essential. We need them, but there's a better way to use your, your dollars. I love that. And we led with digital transformation for a reason, my CSO community. We led for that reason, because the force of change is being forced on us. There's a bit bigger expansion of risk. There's the force of technology rapidly changing over time. We can't do anything about that. You're going to be buying, if you're owning, you're going to be buying technology that's probably outdated within at least a couple of years. And you're not going to be on the, um, forget the bleeding edge, forget the cutting edge. You're not going to be in the most optimized situation for handling your risk and your business optimization efforts. So with that said, let's, let's spend the next precious few minutes, Paul. We're going to educate the CSO because he wants outcomes or she wants outcomes, right? She wants value-based. But now they're going to ask the integrator and or the vendor a series of questions to understand if I go to this model, what outcomes you're going to present. So what are the new set of questions that I'm using to qualify the vendor and, and the proposal they have in front of me? Yeah, it's, you know, it, it comes down to the assurance that, okay, you've sold me that this is, and reminded me that this is essential use and mission critical. What are you going to do to, 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 to leave us with the confidence that you're going to be able to support this and be there if there is a failure or something that does occur? I need to know that. I need that confidence in you as an integrator for the next three, four, five years. The next I, question, I, I'm sorry. I, I, no, let's stick on that. So we're going from arithmetic and non-value assets and purchasing to an evaluation of the service level agreement of the one you're acquiring from. I wanna know how you're going to enforce my high ability, my maintainability, my serviceability, my, my reliability, my five nines performance of my mission critical technology. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want, I want the assurance that you're going to stand behind your SLAs. Your SLAs are, are exactly what we're looking for in writing, but make me feel comfortable that you're going to be able to support that. I love it. Question number two. Question number two is what are you going to do as an integrator to protect my organization that I'm not obsolete here in one or two years? Uh, I, 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 you know, I see all this, what's going on out there and you've convinced me that there is this digital transformation. How are you going to protect me 
And if I make that, that, that recommendation to our CEO and our board, that we're not obsolete in two or three years. Okay, so integrators, are you hearing this? Do you have a way of not only measuring SLAs, but understanding when it's appropriate to advise the customer, we need to update this technology or we need to replace this technology? What is the obsolescence roadmap and, and digital information you're going to be providing the customer? That is, what's your dashboard? Part one. Part two of that is, what's that going to cost me? Yeah, that's right. That's right. What's that going to cost me? Because it's great. I, you, know, you, you might be able to show the roadmap. You might be able to share with me uh, some of the things that the manufacturers you represent are doing. But how do I walk down the hall and say, okay, we need to upgrade. And it's not a financial burden uh, or challenge for our organization to do so. So you actually are providing them in one and two a financial model for them to protect the client against obsolescence. Tell me what that looks like. Well, yeah, it, it's, you know, as a, as a, as a uh, an organization that aligns with integrators, we feel it's our responsibility to help them address that question. Um, so if there's a, a way for us, which there is to provide that financial gateway to enter into that new technology, because it's always available, but it's usually cost prohibitive. So how do we do that collectively? And, and that's, that's, that's one of the things that we do and have done for 27 years. Okay. So, um, part of the team, I like to talk about teams. Okay. Team, uh, teams. So the CSO has a team. Mm -hmm. uh, they're the strategist. Mm -hmm. uh, the security manager uh, has a team. They have domain technology expertise. They have access to IT. They have program managers to oversee the program managers on the vendor side. And if the vendors are appropriately uh, managed, if they have the appropriate scale, they also have that, uh, that uh, triangle, if you will. They have somebody who's handling the strategy with the CSO and their team. They have somebody on the program management side. They have somebody on the technology side, right? So we have this triangle and what you're, you're saying is you should be added to that. Correct. Right? Correct. You should be added to that. The, the CFO should be added on their side. You should be added on that side. And what we're doing, I always coach CFOs, you're an advisor on how to innovate. How do we finance innovation? Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's interesting what you just described, you know, the, the dichotomy of sales. And, and one of the things that salespeople always are challenged with is that you make that alignment with that team and you've done everything. But the part that's been absent is financial. How are you going to make that happen? And I would imagine that most all organizations are probably smiling ear to ear when they hear me say there's usually a challenge between that technological team and recommendation and what they want and the financial people saying yes or enabling that to happen. It's so funny too. There's also a lack of tools, Paul, quite frankly. I was kind of blown away when I first entered this industry 20 years ago uh, because no one was tracking the performance of the sensors and devices they were putting on the network. And what I mean by that is, is you talk about warranties and maintenance, right? Well, of course, there were no maintenance programs. You stated in one of your speeches, you stated that, you know, bottom line is these devices are 
basically not being maintained and kept up to date. Well, they don't even know what cameras, how often they break down over time. So, right. so these integrators have to get to digital dashboards that help the client understand the reliability of the components on the floor so they can begin to make decisions on that obsolescence factor, right? Absolutely. Uh, right. That's well said. I mean, we, I want to know when you send out a truck, not only how good you are at fixing things, but also I want to get an idea of how these devices are performing over time on all those illities, availability, maintainability, reliability, right? And that's, you know, one of the key things about service as buyers, we want transparency. And exactly what you just mapped out is transparency and transparency leads to trust. Transparency leads to trust. And, but you got to have the tools to do it. And we're back to just like the, their clients are going through digital transformation, the vendors are too. And we, if we're going to an SLA model, if we're going to a value model, you better have the tools to back that up. 100%. I mean, you, you really, not just in that presentation, but you have to support that over time. And, and you know, it, it was interesting. I, uh, you, you, you referenced something, one of the things that I've, I've spoken about in the past, and I think most people that are listening to this uh, would agree. They don't care. People don't care whether it's a warranty or part of the maintenance contract, as long as what they enter into, it's taken care of. So whether there's a, a it's tracked and, and there's transparency on either one, it doesn't matter. For the life of my service agreement, I want to do the assurance that you're going to be there and take care of it. And it's part of that monthly subscription. And that if you focus on the arithmetic model, you're never going to get there, CSOs and your teams. You're not going to get there. You've got to understand what are the key questions that validate and confirm you have an assurance model in place. Correct. And, and what it comes down to is oftentimes the CSOs have to make the recommendation internally to the finance folks, and they will guard against um, the, the, the integrator partner having that conversation for probably the right reasons. Um, but when they make that recommendation, they have to really add into those three things. And, and it, it kind of comes down to this. Um, ultimately, it's your, rec it's your decision financially how to procure this. But as the CSO, I can tell you, technology is moving at a rapid pace. What you're looking at in that bill of materials probably represents 50% of non-recoverable cost. And these are, in essence, non-revenue generating assets. I know you've budgeted X amount for me, but you know what? Take that, that, that CapEx and invest it back into the company because these really don't have much value the day after they're installed. So the power of that, when you have to make a recommendation internally, because we understand that's just the way it works, that's, it's that simple. It's that simple. One of the things we've been talking about for 20 years in the great conversation to CSOs and their teams is uh, aligning risk, resilience, and security with the value model of the enterprise, the business they're in, right? Whether it's a hospital or it's a global commercial enterprise. And uh, what's really been encouraging in that conversation, which, which was fairly new back in 2000, is, uh, is that's catching on now. I just got off uh, a podcast with a leading director of security at a major hospital. And it was so, so fun to hear him say that they're actually doing customer surveys now with their stakeholders. 
right? They're, they're actually saying, how are we serving your business interests, the optimization of your services while assuring you of your security and safety? And his ratings were really low. Okay, watch this. It's gonna get very expensive to get those ratings higher. Expensive, expensive. So what you wanna understand from your internal stakeholder customer is what's the cost of not doing anything. Correct. Because you can't finance innovation and change. And he found a way to do that. And suddenly his ratings are sky high. And, uh, and the hospital is starting to understand that security and safety is a way to sell to their own customers and their patients in competitiveness against other hospitals. So I think what we've learned here, let's try to summarize here. Right now, what we're wanting the team, the organization itself to focus on is an assurance model. In a rapidly changing world from a risk standpoint, in a rapidly changing world from a technology standpoint, we need an assurance model that will allow us to invest in the future of our company. That, that's, that's, the, that's the mindset shift they have to have. And the easy way is that's not my job to figure out how our organization should pay for it. But it does affect all of those team members, how they procure, when they procure, and if they procure. So if, if they're you know, really concerned about the organization, which I know almost all of them are, um, they really need to look at it from that perspective, how you just outlined it. So what I'm going to ask the community to do is evaluate who's on their team, both the CSOs and on the vendor side, who is in the conversation at the very beginning when we're starting to think about the future of risk, resilience, and security aligned with the business in digital transformation. This has been a great conversation with Paul Metzheiser of Tamco. Paul, um, I'm sure we'll be talking in the future because what I want to check back with you on is how this conversation maybe has changed things for you. Thank you, Ron. I'm glad to be here and hopefully this was helpful. Really appreciate it.